Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Flowdown. Today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by the head of football at Right to Dream, Mads Davidson. Mads, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Connor. Pleasure to uh, to be here. Mads, as we begin with every guest that comes on the show, can you please take us through your earliest football memory? Yeah, it might be a second-hand um, uh, report because I don't know if it's me who has been told so many times, but uh, I have a brother who is uh, three and a half, and obviously him starting in a football club as, uh, I think, five like that. This is in the local club. You are allowed to start. And my father was actually the coach of the team. Very annoying little brother on the sideline, uh, desperate to, to get in. But obviously too small, three years old. Um, I don't know if the, the case was that they actually had players for one game or they felt sorry for that uh, little brother always standing there. But I've actually got into a game, allowed to play, even I was another three. And uh, the, the, the story goes, 30 seconds, the biggest boy on the other team and me, we end up chasing a ball, stretch other, and everyone can see this is going to be a huge clash. And uh, I'm basically half his straight on the ball, and the big guy, he falls to the ground. And uh, and I can, can hope that this was a good sign of uh, that football. Um, I, ha- I had something to offer, <laughs> but... Uh, now in some uh, some other positions, but that's the uh, I, I think it's probably the first memory I have in in in, um, in football. Very good because I mean we we're speaking off camera off camera. It's nearly like the journey's gone full circle. You've just returned to Denmark in the last few months, but whilst you're away, I mean you've undergone quite a holistic apprenticeship that's led you to cur- into the current day as head of football for Right to Dream ads. I mean, something which we speak upon this podcast when it comes to sporting directors is having that 360 skill set. And you're no different with your range of experiences from working in academies, first in coaching, consulting and recruitment. Yeah, it's it's true. You 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 can say that now we have we have returned after we, we left abroad as a family and me as a as a uh, in, in football, turn here in December to to Denmark, and we have settled here now. We have we have three kids, and uh, they the, let's say a stable environment, a stable uh, school period. So in the next uh, decade or so, because it's 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 about them now. It's about there. But you're right. In some way, it is of course the end of the circle and I'm still adapting to be honest it's me to to live in Denmark it's 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 it sounds it sounds easy but but actually there's a Danish uh, author that has uh, wrote in a book uh, saying I assume that the difficult part is to move out but but actually the difficult part is to move back we we are still in that transition uh, also my my wife where we yeah, we we spot our own place in in the society because things, of course, has changed. We have changed a lot. We have an enormous amount of experiences over the last eleven years across three, four different countries. So much has has changed in our life, in our perspective, and, and therefore turn to something that was more 
as it was before. So, so this is of course the struggle. But we are we are clear in our mind that this is the right uh, thing to do for for especially. So now it's just to uh, to execute. And you touched upon it there, Mads. I mean, adaptability, it's been a huge theme of your career. And as we all know, I mean, football, the game right now is moving really quick. The game is constantly iterating, you're in, you're out. And sometimes, I mean, we can get lost being caught on the treadmill of work. I mean, is your why right now is why you work in football still the same as when it begun? No, I have also changed. If I just start with your your adapt uh, comment, that 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 is key. I mean, I, I have a slide now. I do when I do presentations where I I or die. Uh, of course, uh, it's made a little bit uh, dramatic headline, but but actually, ask me if you don't adapt to to the local culture. Uh, environmentary language, food, but whatever it, it might be that challenge you when you when you move away from your, you have zero chance of succeeding. But this is my this is my belief. This is my experience. I've seen a lot of European coaches come to China, and after three four months they were gone again because they sent coaching skills or football knowledge. It was simply about the lack of adapting to a listening sometimes instead of being the presenter constantly um, is for me a key lesson in no, no matter what you do in, in life if you want to uh, to succeed in the environments um, i would say my my own journey has has taken i would say a lot of, of different um, turns uh, during 15 years ago, maybe first time someone actually paid me money <laughs> to before that we were all volunteer coaches and, and youth coaches paid nothing, which which is part of it. And these tough, tough years where you I remember and I was under 12 coach one time in a small club, basically traveling with, with the kit in my back. You know, I had the balls and the cones in my in my back. Times brought home the bibs to wash them in my own house. And uh, I think this is healthy actually to go through to learn. Do you really have a passion for it? Because otherwise it's it's very hard work if you're not so that that has of course led to the the I think the the industry bias that that we all build like a tunnel vision when you take coaching uh, lessons and coach uh, education all almost all designed to be a head coach you know it's it's almost like it's it's a bias that aim of Barcelona for example and and the same for me I thought that was also the the right thing but actually my my good mentor and colleague for several years in China, uh, who was a former England national team coach and had, a, of course, a brilliant coaching career. That because he saw, in particular, in our work in in Shanghai, is uh, Shanghai port, uh, how I I would say I I flourished diversity of of uh, tasks. So, for example, at, at some point I was his assistant. Mostly uh, pre-match analysis on opponents, post-match analysis on, on our own performance, a bit on some some video individual sessions for some players. Then uh, at the same time, I was the head coach the U23, like a like a B B talent development squad. Uh, I have interest in the rest of the academy thinking 
why is under 12 training in a different way to watch the sessions and start to dig into to just by my own curiosity why i'm not doing the same can not design something um which actually led to that the president of shanghai he came to me and said we want to uh, make you technical director at some point but but point so when he was asking me saying what do you want in your football career and i, I said to him i want teams and he said i see your work now walking around from one to first team to video to to scouting you like that and I said, yes, I, I love. Do you think it's more fun to be the head coach of uh, Real Madrid? Because first of all, you have big egos. So all of your ideas can barely get through to them. Second, whole bunch of media constantly trying to find issues, trying to kill you, trying to create trouble for the, the, the players. Thirdly, you have a very strong ownership board that will do. So you're your working space is actually very limited, which obviously in the clubs that, that he has been in. So that made me reflect a little bit, thinking, hmm, my drive, what is my personal motivation in, in football? What, what, what am I most, when did, when did I feel my biggest kick? And I tried to reflect on that and I found I was suited to be a head coach. I'm, I'm not very motivated by winning, to win a game. Uh, it, and, and therefore, I, it's, when I played myself on, on uh, not, not a professional level, but lower level, I enjoyed the training. Games were for me chaotic, um, full of coincidences, which I liked the training much more. There was planned. Uh, that was clear, you could come early, you could work on pieces you are not very strong at. Uh, you could you could take care of everything you wanted. It could take two, three hours of yourself. Where the games were for me, where I had my biggest kick. So when I started to put all the dots together, I found out that, that I'm not very sure what is required from head coach in a very black and white world, a very short term, it post in, you are genius, post out, you are an idiot. I found out that that was simply not my uh, my way. And then as I just briefly touched for the technical director in Shanghai, which was kind of the first time I lifted myself on a, used the picture going from driving a car as a coach, you know, you drive in a car in a very narrow, on a, on a lane, to go to a helicopter where suddenly I didn't have any trainings, but I had the responsibility of making sure we had enough good trainings led to player development and better results for, for example, the, the first team. So, so uh, that was a long answer to your question there, Connor, but, uh, but that, uh, that's probably the, the myself where I thrive, but also where I'm probably best because I, I don't think I would be honest. Yeah, I think to it's personal and what you brought up, speaking about Sven and Eriksson, because people undervalue the importance of meeting mentors along the way. And you have met quite a few, especially in China. You worked alongside Sven and Eriksson, Andre Velasquez, Vitor Pereira. What roles did they play in shortcut in shortcutting your own learning curve, Matt? 
No, but you, you did uh, recently, I did a presentation uh, for the Danish FA for some, and we talked about what was the future requirements for a probably head coach again to the biased world that we all assumedly want to be head coaches. Um, but I brought four slides with, with uh, one with Sven Gornex and one with uh, Andre Villaspo and one with Marcel Kaiser who I worked with recently in Al Jazeera, uh, where I was the, 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 the head coach. So I'd like to try to summarize, first of all, who are their skill sets, just to show the coaches what is required if you want to work on that level. It's a very good point because I sometimes, one time I wrote down all the clubs or uh, coaches has worked in, which is a lot of clubs, I think more than, than, than uh, 15 clubs, but also just to say that, that you have kind of experience as well. If, if you are open-minded, if you're curious, if you develop a good relationship, uh, knowledge, um, I think uh, in particular Marcel Kaiser here, the last time I had a great relationship, first of all, top experience from, from Ajax, firstly from young Ajax, where he had highest delete, Masarawi. And then he become the Ajax head coach, and you bring up these these team, and also in Sporting Lisbon uh, before uh, Al Jazeera. But pe people often forget Vitor. They they think Andrei Villas-Boas is a bigger coach because obviously chill experience. But Vitor actually also won the double as a Porto head coach. He won Fenerbahce. He won the championship in uh, Greece with Olympiakos. He's a very very nine. And they're all different, of course. Vito is maybe stronger on, on a more uh, station. Andre is a little bit stronger on an offensive, offensive parallelization. Marcel is very uh, method where everything is aligned within the, 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 the more used to bigger teams. He's stronger on a leadership overall, all of the, of the, of the man management. So, so as you can imagine, to have all of these uh, experiences um, and, and actually probably his mentor within, let's go back 20 years, is, is a guy that I now work for here in Right to Dream, who recently was the head coach of, uh, of one of the Right to Dream clubs, FC, and now is, is stepped into a role as a, as a head of football technical director with the holding line, so to speak, in, in, in the organization. So it's just fantastic to, like you said, that has, <laughs> that has ended coming back to, to learning a lot. Fleming was my coach from, from his view on football, how he interpreted football. And also he pushed me, you said, you, you, you meet some people that, that maybe don't force you or indirectly and Fleming did put in my head that that he he, he said a sentence where he's coaching potential then a player potential and that that of course was, was placed in my head early to to stop playing uh, that that maybe maybe I had something to often because had, had seen something at, during my player uh, time so so all of that together, I think very, very important. And, and mentoring is something I, I deeply believe in, in, uh, in an industry like uh, football.
And it's amazing how one's journey can become the unique competitive advantage, Mads, because in reality, you've had such a buffet of experiences and it's like you're able to take the best out of each world. Um, I mean, how does that, how do those range of experiences and influences flavor the way you see the game at the moment? Yeah, I think, uh, I think Ride to Dream now has probably added percentages that, that I, from a personal motivation point of view, times I, I had many years where I would say I felt lonely. It's not necessarily that negative because I am an introverted guy, so I actually like my own space, hotel rooms, for example, a lot. As many in football that hates the fact that we live a lot in a hotel, because it, it, it's, a, it's a room where I physically can, can isolate myself and I can, I can be and, uh, and focus. Uh, but but there is lonely moments when you are you are on your own and uh, you uh, you have to deliver. It's, it's, it's normal, but it's also tough. This is a big difference when you work in Denmark, for example, way protected by your origin, by your name, by your network. You they like you. That that gives you time. That buys you. Uh, even through uh, time and support. Abroad, you have zero of that. You're on your own. And as soon as the team or whoever you are responsible for, they start to lose, then people start to look at you. Uh, I had I had some, I could simply sense that people were taking distance to me. Uh, part of, let's say, if we lost the next three games too, they then, then point the finger at the foreigner. That he's the he's responsible, which was of course I same also in Algeciras when we had bad moments. You you could sense a very environment where you you were not necessarily supported uh, from from so many uh, layers that that you would have been in, in for example, in, in Denmark. Part I sometimes missed. I missed sometimes high level. Uh, because when you are sporting director or taking director, like you just said, Kirby, it goes so fast. It's ad hoc moments. It's uh, a player that didn't show up for training. That could come into a fight during training. You, you constantly have to fix short term, and therefore, therefore, you have no time to reflect. You have no let's say uh, workshops or, or best practice time and this part i probably missed where opposite now i have that's my job actually <laughs> to to deliver the best practice the work that that we do across all clubs and academies so so that that is kind of last bit of what i missed uh, previously working in, in other different uh, it's amazing too. I mean, you touched upon it there. You're working as head of football at Right to Dream. Um, you've become widely renowned, Mads, for the sporting director role. Obviously, huge remit of the sporting director role is to be able to enact a football strategy. I mean, you co-authored a book in the last year or so. How hard can it be regarding, you know, the pitfalls in failing to enact a common base strategy between football? And business. I mean, could you elaborate on the work that was done there? Because I think there was some terrific research the audience would love to hear. 
the book actually the let's say the preface was was more done of my own own uh, surprise I, I actually wanted to read more about football strategy 2015 16 something like that because I, I helped design a football strategy for Shanghai try to gather as much information as possible and then I found out that there's not really a written football related you can of course easily read uh, strategies from from business and so on but but there wasn't a lot of football related stuff and and if there was it was written by journalists but it was not written from an let's say the inside with with some empirical it's more written from from the outside the view on a club or whatever it can be um so that was actually why is this not uh described uh, the second part was obviously, I would say, uh, wake up, call, the more I dig into this, that many clubs were lacking uh, a longer strategy, they were simply lacking a strategic plan. And if if they had one, they did not execute it on paper, uh, but they could not execute it in, in reality, or at least they couldn't stick to it. When uh, So... And therefore, also, I started my own company. I know I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that it was all of this was actually leading up to the book because I found out that club missed, they missed this part of having someone to look at one that can link from the owner of the boardroom to the management floor. So, and, and, and skills, of course, too to look into these areas without thinking of this was probably where I would say I found uh, I, I call it a design error a little bit football was a computer it, it's kind of a set up with a hardware and a software but there's a design error to figure out therefore the computer restarts <laughs> which is the same when the clubs fire the coach they re and therefore I, I think I found this gap in the market where I could offer that and through that, of course, I gained so many experiences that I, I could see that the clubs were created just hire me as a person, but maybe also reading about this. And therefore, I, I decided uh, the studies, of course, spend a lot of time on analyzing. Uh, uh, found my co-author, Dan, Dan Hammer, who's former CEO of FC Copenhagen, years of building up FC Copenhagen from a mid-table team to uh, uh, from the business side of view, where I come more from the football side of view. And then suddenly we linked that we actually have something here to offer the industry. And uh, I, I was looking at, at the book thinking, wow, I'm, I'm, we, were, we were brilliant or what was true. It's not, it's not really interesting for me, but, but I'm, I'm I'm pleased feedback from clubs, academies, federations, uh, even other sports. We have three, four other sports who are saying we are using the the frame for for the book or the the frame of the club modeling. That of course gives me some kind of satisfaction because that's exactly what why we wrote the book. We wrote it, we needed it, and could use it. And and I would also say the in around football the last three, four years has much more strategic than before 
because it's also part of educating. I, I also saw this as kind of educating observers, educating potential investors to understand how foot, uh, how, 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 how you could run a football club. So, so I, um, and we came, we came quite far, also much farther than we, than we expected to be, we, we of course, a very limited audience. And then we found out that it had a much wider, we of course translated and, 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 uh, to, to English and, uh, and luckily it's, it's still, but I think in general, we, we found out, like I said, that, that the industry has some design errors. It's on, on Dan Hamas area, for example, he described a lot, what he called the stress factors often, um, not not as not as bad as you see. it feels bad because of the external pressure on you you are we are all like a gladiator we, we are in an arena where people watch us people have opinions about us people are excellent of us they're almost allowed to throw things at us almost <laughs> um and on uh, have the right to write about us to 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 write negatively about our gates stress factor in people that that makes a crisis much worse so that that's that's something we we found out we try to to help clubs to to not be as uh, as emotional as, as as often can be and then you push the panic buttons to to be fired um and the other part of the book is is, is more related to to my work on strategy how that should be very consistent over a minimum of three to five years. Uh, you should you should fulfill your strategy. You should be very detailed from style of play, recruitment strategy, academy master plan. Everything should be aligned in the way that, and then and then after that, you you of course execute it, and, and then you don't change. And uh, even if you should change the head coach, you have to you have to make uh, the uh, we, 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 we saw the, the research that many clubs use a model, which refers to a head coach deciding everything. A head coach can play, this is how we train, this is how we recruit. Uh, I don't want to use young. It's very common in many football clubs that the head coach can decide on these areas. But for us, it's not sustainable because Obviously, a head coach today is 16 months fail in the club. This is some 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 uh, uh, research we we got from FIFA, and therefore it, it it's almost you can almost hear the the logic here. We we give all to one person, and then after obviously 16 months we change him. That that's not very uh, business to to say it like that. So we designed the sustainable model where the club designs builds the strategy, the vision, and then after designing the methodology, the recruitment, the academy, they hire the head coach that can fulfill their strategy. very similar to what is done here in, in, in for example, FC Nordschland, which is one of the, the right stream clubs. I think we have a good link here with my with my new position because the, the club here the thinks in a, in a very similar way to uh, to how I believe football should be uh, organizations should should operate
And it's really interesting before we touch upon Right to Dream, because that book, Mads, would have went out during your tenure at Al Jazeera. And obviously living in the UAE at the time, I mean, we're all aware what the metamorphosis that club was undergoing. In fact, we had a former colleague of yours on the podcast, James, James Gow, did a fantastic job in the academy. So seeing the fruits of your labour coming to fruition in terms of academy players going up into the first team inside two, three years was esteemed success. I mean, having had that success, seeing the strategy and vision and getting results from the strategy in a quick enough time, I mean, what were the set of circumstances that led you down the path to taking this current role at Right to Dream? Yeah, I think um, I had a good experience in, in, in Shanghai, and then I had also good experience in Algeciras uh, with, 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 like we said, there was, there was another kind of a test of could, could they accept a so, uh, let's say, good strategy, because we are, my, my job is basically to fight for the strategy every time that comes up. Uh, or a new direction or someone wants to to uh, to change something then it's my job I had to protect it and, and I had a very very good CEO in Al Jazeera uh, Emirati guy uh, Ali Al Hamadi who was one of the best CEO, CEOs out there he was first of all clear on what he didn't know he didn't know football in detail so I don't know about this but he was fully supportive and he was very smart in, in the Swiss from his business experience. And therefore together we were actually a good team and as well, who were very supportive about this also. That, that's why we were successful. I think with, with, we, we won two titles and like you said, also we did it with the youngest team in the league, grow minutes of all players. So. So we did it in a sustainable way. That's exactly the point. It's not uh, 20 million euros, won and then left everything in, in a big mess. We actually the future for them. And, and like you mentioned, James Gao, we brought him in as a as an academy technical director and academy to the next level uh, as well. So so the things were aligned. We we had a um, common alignment. That 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 is a, that is a key word, of course. I was actually looking for, for my next steps, steps, next step in my career should be exactly. Uh, and I, I don't think I can find more aligned than, than right to dream. Uh, not not saying it's club. That's actually not the point of me. I actually enjoy the international environment. I like being in Egypt as well. I, I, I enjoy that uh, just as much, maybe even more than, than the Danish part here. But But it's... But it's still a very, first, secondly, what probably makes even more meaning for me is, is that it's a purposeful thing, which is very rare. Uh, I think many people forget that the current ownership, non-profit ownership, uh, which is very rare to find in international football, they don't, they don't take out uh, revenue for themselves, they reinvest coin basically in the in the model, and I think that 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 is for me very unique. That that's in in modern football today. So to come into organization that also wants to give something back to to communities, to to families, to kids, not not just cynically try us 
and then kick out the rest. You know, I was in I was in Ghana recently and uh, experience where most of our players come from the 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 more rural areas of, of communities, local villages in Ghana, where there you are satisfied that that will keep you uh, that will keep you alive, basically satisfaction of, of, of helping a kid and the family chance in life to either be a football player or be a student that's very important for we are just as focused on the on the on the academic side that's why our uh, kids as student athletes we, we actually don't necessarily talk about talk about student athletes uh, because Nobody is is kicked out of the program. You see, they have a more, let's say, cynical view that maybe you get a contract when you uh, like you get invited in when you're twelve. But if if you're not good enough, fifteen, you get kicked out. Of course, uh, kick out and and take in uh, academy focus. But if you come in as twelve year old, nobody is kicked out. They they get. They get the six years and, and uh, training development. And then around 16, of course, you start to look at what is the pro life, is it the academic life? But everyone, so that's of course back to the, to the slogan, everyone has the right to dream. And to use the, the same word, purposeful for me, to, for example, being Ghana, to see I work not 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 because I'm important, but but the feeling of my me create better environments, make better coaches better, blah blah blah. It's life, you know. It, it, will, it will not just give someone a nice football career. We we actually changing people's life on uh, Ghana. That that's for me. Um, extremely satisfaction to get from uh, from this position. It's amazing because I know as well, Mads, you're a huge fan of Simon Sinek. And Simon Sinek speaks about the infinite game. I mean, to have such a mission-driven organization working in football, reinvesting in pathways, did you ever envisage that such a day would exist? <laughs> I mean, but, but but we are, by the way, we are of course also talking about our why to to refer to, um, and uh, like you also said, we also use uh, Simon Sinek in the book. How hard can it be? No, yeah, I, I think it's it's very unique, and I think we have only this is my own only seen the beginning of of the right to dream. Um, uh, journey into the world of football because now we are the right dream is regular delivery of, of top players for the for the youngest team in Europe like like FC Nordland has but I think only slowly we will we will grow even bigger in terms of also understanding for, for people on the ground you know that, that we're not just adding uh, come out of Southampton no no we're changing the, the 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 life of people around him and coming from from a small village with, with not many possibilities in the, in life that that's uh, probably the last tweak of my career I could say that me that last bit now it's not just about football which I love 
and it's, it's my passion about giving giving kids, giving families, giving people that normally wouldn't have a chance, chance to to fulfill their potential. This is uh, similar to when you have kids yourself. You, for me now, it's not about myself, it's about my kids. How can I fulfill their dreams? How can I share the world for them? How can I give something so they have a so unique uh, life? This is the same I do just in my life and my work also now with with the right to dream. So that that's an extra bottle of motivation you, you, <laughs> you drink uh, every day you come to, uh, to work.